Well, good morning, friends. I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you joined us for our online worship time here at Vernonia Church. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and uh, it's going to be a great day. We're going to dive in to our teaching series. This is going to be the last uh, teaching on this series where we've been talking about, does the Bible really say that? And today we're going to have a teaching where we're going to talk about, does the Bible really say, God won't give me more than I can handle. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we dive into this teaching, I want to encourage you to let us know you're here today. Let us know you're with us. If you can, uh, go on, hit that link below and fill out a connection card. Let us know that you are here. Uh, I'd love to be praying for you. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, be sure to just uh, connect with us as your online church today. Also, want to encourage you to do all the, all the social media stuff, right? Make sure you're liking and hitting sub notification bells. Make sure you're doing all that stuff that that everybody asks you to do whenever you watch their channel or listen to their podcast or or you're on Spotify. Just want to encourage you to do that. Also, uh, make sure that you're sharing these messages as they are helping you and being a blessing to you. That said, I want to invite you to pray with me as we dive into this message and dive into this, uh, man, this common saying that so many people think is in the Bible. Let's, let's, Let's just pray together as we get started. Father in heaven, we come before you right now and we're so grateful and thankful for your love and your grace. We're thankful that we could be here together today. Uh, We're thankful, God, that you carry burdens that we cannot carry, that you offer to help us in ways where we are powerless. And and we're thankful that you, God, are willing to be there to offer us the opportunity to know a salvation we could not know otherwise, to know a forgiveness that we could not know otherwise, to know know hope that we couldn't have otherwise, to know you, uh, to know God in a way that there's no other way we could have known him. We thank you for Jesus who's done so much for us to help us in so many ways that we couldn't even help ourselves. And so, God, as we come before you this morning and we talk about this saying, let us, let us never buy into the idea that we can handle things on our own that we can't handle. And, and let, us, let us always come before you and come to you when we need a shelter in the storm, when we need help, when we're helpless. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, let's dive in to this message together. So let's dive into this teaching. where We're going to be talking today about, uh, does the Bible really say God won't give me more than I can handle. You know, when I was a kid, 
Uh, I had in the basement of my house this weightlifting set. And somewhere around junior high school, I decided that I was going to get serious about pumping iron, or at least in this case, it was concrete covered by plastic. You know, it was one of them cheaper weightlifting sets. And, uh, and, and so I began to go down into the basement of our house, and, and I would put on loud music and begin lifting weights. And I started doing that a lot. And one of the things that happened, uh, I remember the first time it happened, and I got to admit, I I say first time because it happened more than once, is uh, I went down into the basement and I was going to lift all this weight. You can imagine I was uh, just a little scrawny junior high kid, you know, and and, and I thought, oh, I'm going to do a lot of weight. I'm going to really push it. And I got down on that weightlifting bench. I I laid down on it and I was going to bench press. and, And so I started stacking on all kinds of weight getting ready to, to, to lift it, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, you got to think big, you know, you got to, you can do this. That was the attitude I had. And so I go down, I, I, I go down on the bench and, and I got all that weight on that bar and I was able to lift it off the safety, uh, the safety little levers or, or, or hooks on the bars. And, and as soon as it came off, whoom, it came down on on my on my chest and i'm i'm laying there on the bench and i'm thinking what do i do now i'm all alone there's nobody here i can't push it up and 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 i just kind of was stuck there there wasn't actually anybody even home at that time and so i i couldn't say help because nobody's going to hear me and, and so i'm just kind of sitting here with all this weight on me wondering what do i do uh, I tried as hard as I could to push it up. Or, you know, I'd heard stories about people who were in a bad situation that they were able to muster up strength they didn't know they had, and uh, and nothing is happening except maybe uh, I was getting the veins in my face to pop out or something. But man, oh, I couldn't move that bar. Well, I tried and tried and tried. I, I tried lifting my legs and trying to push it up, and I couldn't push it up. I was stuck. And and then I had this brilliant idea. Uh, What I did, and and you probably would have laughed if you saw me doing it, but but I I began to roll that bar (laughs) over my chest into my stomach. and, And then I rolled it all the way down to my waist and I was able to sit up and get a breath. And then I rolled it down my legs and, and off my knees and onto the floor. And, uh, and I learned a valuable lesson that day. I learned that sometimes there are things that are too heavy for me to lift. <laughs> sometimes there are things that are, that are too heavy, too big for me to deal with. And, and some things are just too much for us to deal with. And, and sometimes it would be better if I didn't try to do some things when I was alone. There were all kinds of life lessons that I learned that day as I was lifting those, or or not lifting, if you will, those weights. And, and And then I think of this common saying, 
that God will never give you more than you can handle. It's such a common saying. I hear people outside of the church say it. I hear people who are, I guess you'd say they're marginally in the church, who will say it. And I hear people who are faithful Christians say it. And everybody seems to assume that it says it in the Bible, that God won't give you more than you can handle. And, and I just want to approach this idea and this saying with the question, is it really in the Bible? And what we're going to find, and I'm going to just give you the answer at the beginning, but, but what we're going to find is that the Bible doesn't say that ever. The Bible doesn't convey that thought or that idea so where does it come from, and, and why do we think it? Because what we'll, what we'll see is that a, a lot of times in our lives, uh, our, our lives will be filled with weights and heavyweights. And, and people will say this saying, God won't give you more than you can handle. And, and it's almost as if, and if you will, uh, let me paint the picture with my weight set in the basement, if you will, a lot of people think the idea or have the idea in their heads that that life and dealing with life and going through life is a lot like a junior high kid trying to lift weights. And, and God is there and, and God is putting more weight on everybody's bar. Some of that weight is, is life's challenges and some of that weight are, are life's opportunities and some of that weight is life's responsibilities and some of that weight is life's problems and some of that weight is, is suffering and some of of that weight is hurts and some of that weight is hardship and and they they give you the idea that God is just loading up the bar and loading up the bar but he knows how much you will be able to push yourself and so he loads it up right up to the max that you could handle and and then he says all right Sam go ahead and lift it you can do it and and, and it's almost like God has uh, put in place some supernatural law of success. God will never give you more than you can handle. And so we, we say that to one another. We say it to one another when there's hurts, challenges, when there's trials, when there's opportunities, when there's things that come up in our life. And, and I'm just looking at all these different things that come together in life. And, and we're just thinking and saying to one another, God won't give it to you if you couldn't do it. And at first it sounds good. It sounds encouraging until we look deeper at what we're saying. The first problem is, is it's not in the Bible. The Bible never teaches it. And, and there's a dark side to the idea that we don't usually think of. It can create confusion, this idea it can create confusion about life. It can create confusion about Scripture. It can create confusion about God himself. You know, why would God put that on my bar? 
Why can't I lift it when it says God told me I, I could lift it? Why can't I do this? Why? And it creates this frustration. It creates, well, it, it could create a more painful experience. Often this idea is quoted to help someone deal with the pain or suffering that they're having in their life. And, and they, they hear it and, and it creates more pain for them because they think about how God is loading up their life with all these trials. And, and why would God do that to me? And, and it, can, it can have this unten, unintended, unintended uh, result when we... When we say this to someone, we think we're saying it to encourage them, but man, it can be really discouraging, especially in time of real loss and, and, and real pain. In, in times when we lose someone who we loved and we think, why did God do that to me? But I, I, I know God says he won't give me more than I can handle, but I can't handle this. Do I not have enough faith? Do I have not have enough trust? A- am I being bad? Is God punishing me for some reason? And, and we go through all these thoughts of discouragement. And while we might have said it to, to encourage, we actually create a discouragement. It also leads to a false sense of what we might say is individualism. You know, we as Americans love the idea of a cowboy who rides his horse off into the distance and and he's an individual. You know, he he can handle life's problems and struggles and troubles by himself with his six shooters and and we idolize that idea of individualism. But does the Bible really teach us? individualism? Does the Bible teach us that God will never give us more than we can handle by ourselves? Is that really what God wants us to think? Is that is that something that would go along with the whole idea that God gives us a church filled with people with different abilities, with different gifts so that we could accomplish goals and the work of God and the work of Christ together? Does that go along with the idea that God gave us a church and that really there's not a lot in of, of the idea of individual when it comes to faith and when it comes to living out my faith. Uh, don't get me wrong. We make an individual choice to follow Jesus and to, and we make an individual choice and a personal choice to have faith in Christ. But once we make that personal faith and personal choice, it's almost like God brings us together into this collective, into this community, and into this corporate group of worshipers who are all meant to help each other through life's trials, struggles, and troubles, and and to overcome the challenges of the mission of the church together. And, And there seems to be a lot less individualism and a lot more a lot more community when it comes to faith. 
I know we tend to talk about, well, it's my personal faith, but is it really meant to be just personal? And, and we could struggle with this idea of God never gets me more than I can handle if we think that's in Scripture, and yet we see Jesus setting up his, his kingdom in a way where we're relying on one another to handle things, where we're relying on him to handle Things and, and that brings us to probably the darkest side of this saying. And the darkest side of this saying is that in some ways it goes completely against the idea of the gospel. The gospel teaches us that Jesus Christ comes into the world to do something about a problem we cannot handle to do something about a problem we cannot fix, that we can't do anything about. He comes to forgive us of our sin, of sin that we can't make up for, of sin that we can't do away with. He comes to wash away sin that is stuck on us without him washing it away. And so, God never gives me more than I can handle. Well, it's not it's not a gospel message it sounds a whole lot more like the messages of the world so where does this idea come from and really it comes from a verse it comes from a scripture it comes from a conversation the apostle paul was having and people will take a piece of that conversation and they will they will take it and they will they will pull it out of the conversation he was having in order to use it to say something he was not saying. In the verse, we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. Now, the context of this verse, of this statement, it's an important context to what he's saying because it helps us understand what he's saying. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote this verse to Christian people in this town called Corinth, in this city called Corinth, and, and they were people who'd given their life to Christ. They had come out of all kinds of old ways of living, pagan ways of living, sexual, sinful ways of living, uh, I should say sexually sinful ways of living. They came out of a very promiscuous, they came out of very sinful ways and addicted ways of living and ways of living that brought a lot of hardship and pain and struggle. And they'd come out of that. They'd said yes to Jesus. They said they believed in Jesus. And the Apostle Paul now is having a conversation with them here in chapter 10 saying, look, I know you're going to be tempted in your life, but when you're tempted, you're not going to deal with things that are going to overcome you. God isn't going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And, and he's going to make sure that, that you always have a way 
to be faithful when you're tempted to be unfaithful. Now, in the midst of that conversation, he says this, and some people pull it out of context, and they they say, well, it says that God won't give you more than you can handle. And they're applying it, not just to temptation, but they're applying it to all kinds of life's problems and hurts and pains and struggles. And, and it's important when we read Scripture that we read it within the context of what's being said. Because if we don't, we can bring to it meaning that was not meant. And we want to kind of unpack the meaning here. And we want to do it alongside of this statement that's so common among the church and so commonly heard among Christians and and so commonly said among Christians. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of you who are listening today— Uh, who are joining us or watching today have probably said this uh, in some way like that. I I know I even had before, and uh, before I understood where it came from and and why it wasn't true. And and so we're going to spend some time talking about some keys to understanding what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And three of the keys are going to be things that Paul's not saying, and we're going to be careful to understand that this is what Paul's not saying. And one of the keys is going to be, here's what Paul is saying. And so we're going to finish up with that one. But I want to encourage you, maybe write some of these thoughts down as we go through them. Take some notes as we as we study through this. Uh, and you know what? Don't just take my word for it, but maybe you will find yourself uh, kind of curious and want to dive in. Like always, maybe this will be a message that will bring you more questions than answers, and it will send you off on your own little journey of study to, to get to know what the Bible is. Is saying. And so the first thought that I'd like to share with you, the first key to understanding this verse is this, that this verse is not saying, uh, or, or, or the best way to understand is that God's not the cause of your troubles. That God's not the cause of your troubles. Ooh, that, that old saying, God will not give you more than you can handle. Let's go back to that image of, uh, of a kid trying to pump some iron, you know, and, and the, the phrase gives the idea that God is throwing the weight on uh, the weight of life on your bar. And, and this verse is not saying anything of the sort. It says when you're tempted, God's going to make sure you're not tempted beyond what you can bear. But nowhere in it does it say that God is the tempter, that God is piling on your your struggles and problems. In fact, the scriptures will say just the opposite of what people often say when they use this saying. The scriptures will say in in the book of James, it will say this, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, one of the problems or struggles I think that people have is the idea that there are 
other things that cause things to happen in this world beside God. Some people uh, struggle with the idea that they think if there is a God, God has to cause everything that happens. And, and although God is sovereign, God is the ultimate ruler over all, God has created this world in a way where he has allowed other causes, other things to cause things to happen. Things like people, you and me. He allows us to cause things to happen. And here we're talking about where does temptation come from? And, and here it says, don't ever blame God for your temptation because you're good at causing your own temptation. You are tempted and then you, you sin and then your sin creates more temptation and the temptation grows and you get more temptation. Uh, Satan causes temptation. We cause temptation and, and there are other causes to our temptation, but God is not the tempter. In fact, God has done all he could to eliminate our sin. God hates sin. God went to a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He wants to do away with our sin. He won't tempt us. He wants to save us. And, and so it's almost ridiculous to say that God is tempting me or that God is sending my temptations. And so uh, I just want to let you know that you can safely assume, you can safely rest and say, God is not the cause of my temptations. And we could, go, uh, we could pack on to that, that, that God is most likely, God is probably not, God is uh, unlikely to be the cause of my trouble. Sometimes people can start to get angry with God. They can shake their fist at God. They can feel like God is sending all kinds of trouble their way and problems their way. And, and they think of God as this cruel God. You know, he's packing on the weight onto the bar of my life. And, and the bar of my life is already heavy enough. God, would you quit sending me problems and trouble? And, and I, I have enough, God. And we can get frustrated. We can make people frustrated. We start to say, oh, God won't send you more than you can handle. Well, God, would you quit putting it on the bar? Would you quit piling it on? Well, well the truth is, is that it's probably not God piling it on. There are all kinds of reasons and sources and causes for the trouble in our world. But would you allow me to take you to the number one cause of our trouble? The number one cause of trouble in this life and trouble in this world is that we're just in a broken world. God didn't create it broken, but mankind sinned and we broke it. And with sin and breaking the world, we brought brokenness. We introduced trouble. 
We introduced pain and suffering. We introduced sin and and hurt. And and, and with it came a broken world. God even let us know that we broke it when he said that the, the earth is cursed because of us, that the ground is cursed because of us. What we have done has has brought a brokenness into the world. Now, now I might suffer not necessarily because of my own personal brokenness, but because of the brokenness of the world and in the broken world there is suffering and sickness and trouble and pain and hurt and and there are all kinds of things that come to a broken world and so with with a heart that breaks for you who are experiencing trouble and and with a, a pastor's heart I just say to you sometimes your trouble comes because we're just in a broken world and in a broken world mistakes happen accidents happen in a broken world in a broken world there are other causes to trouble sometimes that causes other people and other people cause us trouble and it hurts and sometimes in a broken world you and I we bring a lot of trouble on ourselves you know, if we were to be honest, there are some things we all deal with that were out of our control that just happened because we live in a broken and sinful world. But there are a lot of things, a lot of troubles that come into our life. Troubles not that God put on the bar of our life, but that we put on our own bar. Like me, down in my basement, I, I stacked my own bar up, and I, I tried to lift it all by myself, and, and I put myself into trouble. And you know, sometimes my trouble comes because of my lack of discipline. Sometimes my trouble comes because of my pride and my choices. Sometimes my trouble comes because of, well, my, my sin. Sometimes my trouble comes because I brought it on myself. And, and it, would be, it would be wrong for me to say that God caused my trouble. Because we know that rather than causing trouble, we know that God wants to bless us, not hurt us. We know that God, He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to harm us, but He wants to give us hope and a future he wants to give us grace and life to the full and eternal life those are the things god wants to give us he's not just some cruel god looking to stack trouble on your life even though maybe you feel that way and maybe you feel that way because somewhere along the line someone said to you well god won't give you more than you can handle and most likely God is not the source or the cause of your hurts. You know, this is probably where it starts to get a little serious when you're saying things like, God won't give me more than I can handle. Because sometimes we deal with real painful, real heavy hurts. We deal with sicknesses like cancer that come into our lives and and we deal with pains that 
won't go away. Some of you deal with fibromyalgia and, and, and different hurts and your body hurts and and maybe your your spirit hurts and and maybe you struggle with with depression or sadness or loneliness or maybe you struggle and you've had some hurts and come into your life maybe someone close to you someone you love passed away and and you feel like God won't give me more than I can handle why is he giving me this hurt and I just want to tell you God's not giving you that hurt God wants to give you hope and help and he wants to heal and he wants to give you uh, a future and can I just be honest with you about the one big reason there are hurts in this world there are hurts in this world because we live in a broken sinful world it says in scripture that when Adam and Eve fell they brought death they brought sickness they brought pain into this world and and we have perpetuated their sin we have continued to follow suit we have continued to do what Adam and Eve did and and by doing that we have created this world into a broken sinful world why are there viruses in this world why are there uh, bacterias that are harmful and hurtful in this world why is there cancer it's not because God is piling up the, the weight on the bar of your life is here because we live in a broken world maybe it's not your brokenness that caused it maybe it's just that you're here in this place in this broken world and God tells us there's a time coming where he's going to heal all the hurts and where he's going to undo the brokenness and he's going to bring us into a place where there is no more pain no more tears and and, and no more hurts and and that's something that we hope in and hold on to but let's be careful let's not give God credit for hurts that we don't know he gave let's be careful not to say that God's causing our hurts when we don't know that when we have no way to say it when the scriptures don't tell us that and 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 let's let's talk about this he's also not the cause of your hardships you know sometimes we can think through the list of things in our life and and when people say god's not going to give you more than you can handle and people start to think of their hardships and the tough things they're going through or or maybe the way some things aren't working out for them or the way some you know their dishwasher went bad or their refrigerator went bad or their tractor broke down or their truck got a flat tire and and they say well God's not gonna give me more than I can handle and it's almost as if God is popping their tire and and making their fridge fail and and God is trying to break their tractor and and but he's just only gonna do just enough that we can handle it and and I want to say that that God is probably not the cause of any of those things hardships happen and and i can tell you scripture tells us that a lot of our hardships come because the world is 
broken and cursed. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis and, and God tells Adam, he says, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow and you're going to work this garden, but it's not going to cooperate with you. It's going to grow thorns and thistles. And, and no matter how much you work, now you've broken everything and it's not going to work out with you. And sometimes that's what hardships are. It's simply a broken world where things break and fail. And it's simply a broken world where, where sin has been allowed to reign and break things. But God says to us, I am going to undo the brokenness. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes that, that the world is just groaning and having groaning pains and, and moaning and crying out like a like a, a a mother giving birth, that the world is just groaning and waiting for God to relieve the pain and to renew all things. And so we look forward to that day. And, and I just want to come down to this truth, this idea, that God's not the cause. The, that old saying that that God won't give you more than you can handle, it really does convey the idea that God is the cause, but God's not the cause, most likely not the cause of any of it. I, I want to tell you about, I'll call him Gary. Uh, Gary's a, someone I care a lot about. Uh, he's somebody that I had the opportunity to lead to the Lord years ago. And, uh, and years ago, we had a conversation, and Gary was, well, he was really down. He was really angry at God. He was really frustrated, and he was really hurt. And, and Gary proceeded to tell me, about his struggle with temptations. He told me about his struggle with alcoholism. He told me about his addiction to drugs. And, and he told me about how he, he hates him. He hates his addiction and he hates himself because of his addiction. He's just having the hardest time kicking that addiction. And, and he really does deal with some serious temptations. And, and then Gary shared with me some, some legitimate troubles. He told me about how his life is filled with financial troubles. He he told me about how his life has been filled with um, troubles with the law. He told me about how he, he spent time, uh, it, it actually did time because of things that he had done and, and he had troubles. And, and, and then he shared with me some real legitimate hurts. He told me about how he had multiple family members pass away within a short amount of time. And he was heartbroken because he loved those people. And, and he was, and he said to me, you know, sometimes I feel like I just have nothing left. And, and then he shared with me some legitimate hardships that he was going through that, that a culmination of all these things was bringing about hardship after hardship after hardship. And my heart went out to Gary. And, and I was, you know, like I wanted to take his pain away and I wanted to, to help him with every thing that he mentioned. And there wasn't a lot I could do other than just say, man, I want to pray for you and I want to be an encouragement to you. But in the midst of telling me about all these things, he said to me, you know, Sam, I know people. I know people say, God will never give me more than I can handle. I just want to know, why is he giving all this to me? Now, in the midst of 
that time, I could tell it wasn't time for a theological debate or a theological correction, although I did give a little. It was a time for compassion and a, and a time to encourage and pray and say, I'm sorry. And, and we went through all that. But I don't think Gary is alone. I think some of you probably struggle with that idea. I think some of those who come to in-person church really struggle with that idea. And I just want to encourage you to realize that that, that God God is not the source or the cause of all the trouble in our life. God is not piling on weight onto your life, uh, piling on so much just to the point, your breaking point, expecting you to push it and and you to pick it up and and you to lift it. In fact, uh, Scripture teaches us that God wants to be our strength when we are weak. That God wants to be there for us and help us and handle the things that we can't handle. That God gives us people around us to help us lift things we can't lift alone. You know, probably, well, not probably, absolutely, it would have been safer for me and better for me as a young man when I was lifting weights to have people around, to have a spotter. There's a reason weightlifters do that. To have someone who could help me lift it, that bar, when, when I couldn't do it. And the same is true in the spiritual life. The same is true in life, period. That God doesn't, God, God doesn't expect us to handle all the life's troubles by ourselves and alone. Or he, he, he wants to be there for us and he wants us to have people around us that will help us. That's why he gives us the church. That's why he gives us one another. So key number one is pretty much God's not doing it. God's not the cause of it. And the next thought is this, that God never promises to limit your problems. That's just not true. He, he's not promising to limit your problems. He, he, he's not there putting the stuff and your problems on, on a bar, hoping that you can lift it and pick it up by yourself. And he never promised to limit your problems. He never promises that when we come to Christ, he's going to give us a problem-free life or a problem-less life. In fact, Jesus promised those who were thinking about following him, he promised them more problems. He promised them persecution. He promised them struggles, and he promised them hardships. In fact, one time in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you all this, that you may have peace in me, that here on earth you have many trials. You will have many trials and sorrows. You will have many problems, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, what he's saying there is not, oh, I'll overcome your problems. You know, I'm going to stop all the persecution. I'm going to stop all the troubles, all the problems that you might have in life. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, take heart that no matter what happens to you in this world, I've overcome this world and I'm going to give you eternal life and you're going to have an eternity in a world with me. And so, in the meantime, you're going to have problems. But... As you go through those problems, take heart because I've overcome all of them 
and I will overcome the results of them at the end of all things. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, was never meant to give someone uh, the thought that they could quote this to people who lose loved ones. This was never an idea that, that the Apostle Paul meant to be quoted to someone who's sick or ill with cancer. Oh, God won't let you get cancer unless you can handle it. That's not what he was saying. Or the idea to be quoted to someone who's dealing with heartache and pain or, or, or struggle through a divorce. Or, or, or the idea to be quoted to someone who's swimming under financial debt, having financial problems, or having work problems, or, or interpersonal problems, or trials of, of many kinds. This wasn't an idea that the Apostle Paul meant to be quoted to them. Sometimes those trials and troubles and sometimes the cancer and sometimes the hurts we feel, well, they will be too big for us to handle. You will need the support of Christian people around you and friends and family. You will need help. Sometimes you need the advice of a professional. Sometimes you need the healing hand of a doctor or a scientist. Sometimes you need the counsel of a wise friend. Sometimes you need the counselor, uh, the counsel of a professional counselor who can help heal your mind and heart. Sometimes you will, you will need something outside of yourself to deal with the problem you're facing. And sometimes you'll need the support and the help of your church. Sometimes you will need the help of your friends. You see, usually people mean well when they say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. They're trying to encourage someone that, 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 that you can do it. And they don't realize that all too often, it's having just the opposite effect, and it's teaching just the opposite message. It's, it's discouraging. Does that mean if I'm suffering and if I can't handle it, then I'm not enough? Does it mean I don't have enough faith? Does it mean I'm not praying enough or reading my Bible enough? Does it mean in, that, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not having the right mentality? Instead of encouragement, this idea can bring more guilt and more shame and more doubt, and, and, and it can bring anger, and it can bring a misunderstanding of God's Word, and, and all of that just so that we can say something the Bible never, ever says or meant to say. You know what? God does promise. God does promise he promises not to limit our trouble, but he promises to give us enough grace that we can get through our problems. That we can look forward to his grace on the other side of our problems. 
When Paul says what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, about temptation, when he says that, he's not talking about dealing with life's problems. But let me share with you a place where Paul does talk about life's problems. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians in the next book he writes to this church. There's a passage in that book where he tells them about how he struggles with some problems, how he has what he calls a thorn in his flesh. That's where we get the idea of a, there's a thorn in my side. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. It could have been a physical problem, a, an emotional problem, a spiritual problem. Some people even think maybe it was a temptation or a struggle that he was having, uh, that he was tempted with. I mean, there, we don't really know what that problem was. He he conveniently left it somewhat ambiguous. He's like, I'm going to throw out some laundry for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you all my dirty laundry. But what he does do is he tells us he had this thorn in the flesh, and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed for God to take it away. He prayed, God, will you take this away? And and some of us, we can relate, right? You've had times where you said, God, will you take this away? God, will you help us with this? And, and sometimes Sometimes God might answer that prayer with a yes, and he might do what we're asking him to do. But other times, he will give us a no, just like he does with the Apostle Paul here. By the way, when God answers a prayer with a no, it's not God not answering prayer. It's him answering, and he says no. Uh, no is an answer. And so Apostle Paul says this in, in verse uh, ten, uh, 7 to 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said each time he said, so he prayed that God would take it away. And every time he prayed, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And now so now I am glad to boast about all my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships. There's that word hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so basically Paul says that God says to him, my grace is enough for you. That doesn't sound like God won't give me more than I can handle. My grace is enough for you. My grace is so valuable and so wonderful and so good that as you go through hardships and persecutions and trials and troubles and suffering, you'll be able to say on the other side of all of this is grace and it's more valuable and more worthwhile. And, and God, your grace is enough because it's so valuable that it outshines all of my struggles. It doesn't take them away. They're still there, and they still hurt, and suffering is still suffering, and hardship is still hardship, and cancer is still cancer, and, and, and my lost loved one is still gone, and it hurts still. But in the midst of the hurt, I know there's grace. And that grace, Jesus, even if you don't take away my hurts, that grace is so valuable to me that it's more valuable to me than if you took all those things away. Because in that grace is forgiveness and eternal life and your love.
It sounds a lot more biblical. Then God won't give you more than you can handle. By the way, when life gives us more than we can handle because it will, we turn to him for his help. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to realize our weakness and turn to him for his strength and turn to him for his help. It says in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He doesn't want us to ever get the idea that he expects us to lift things on our own. He wants us to run to him as our shelter in the storm, as our, as our strength in time of trouble. And so we come to number three. And number three is this. God never promises to limit your challenges. He never promises to limit your challenges. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to blow your mind right now. It was never meant to be some self-help Christian success formula that we quote when we're having uh, and facing a challenge or a difficult time or a trouble or trial. It wasn't the self-help message. I hear it all the time. Someone has a challenging opportunity. They're not sure they should take it. And and their friend says to them, I I know you can do it because God never gives you more than you can handle. Someone has this series of unfortunate events happening in their life. You know, Murphy's Law, that that law that says if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. You know, and and Murphy's Law is at work and stuff's just going wrong back and forth and and all over the place. And, And they say, well, it must be, you know, God won't ever give me more than I can handle. I can do this, you know, and and it's a nice idea. I mean, I don't want to, don't get me wrong, I it's a, it would be a great idea if it were true or biblical to hold on to and, and to claim as, a, you know, you're going, to, you're going to defend it. But there are a lot of things we can't handle alone. This wasn't meant to be a passage that teaches us that God limits our challenges or, or that we can handle all the challenges we face or tasks set before us or, or or accomplish all the things that we're supposed to accomplish. Jesus even teaches us that there are things that we simply cannot do, we cannot handle without his help. In John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You're going to accomplish the things God wants you to accomplish in life. But then he says... Apart from me, you can do nothing. That doesn't sound to me like you getting more than you can handle. On top of that, there's a reason, and I've already kind of said this, there's a reason he gave us the church. There's a reason he gives us each other. There's a reason he gives all, all of those of us who say yes to him. There's a reason he promises us all 
gifts and abilities to do things to accomplish his goals and his mission for us, which is to make disciples of all nations. There's a reason he gives us our family, and there are all kinds of reasons that he has given us all these people who claim the name of Christ that that, that we're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to lift up one another. We're supposed to pray for one another. There's a reason for all the one another talk in the New Testament. There's a reason for that. And the reason is because the idea of a self-made man is a myth. The idea of of a self-made man, someone who picked themselves up from their bootstraps and, and someone who did it all for themselves and someone who accomplished all they accomplished for themselves, that idea is a myth. The idea of the cowboy riding off into the sunset, taking care of himself, it's just a myth. In fact, every cowboy movie I ever watched, he had a helper. He had someone who helped him. And and the idea of a self-made man, you know what? I I love this idea. I know I've said it before in sermons. I've used the illustration. I I love the thought, rather than someone who is a self-made man, I I love this thought that we're all just turtles on a fence post. Now, I want you to just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture a turtle on the top of a fence post. Now there's something you would know about a turtle on a fence post. What is it? That he didn't get there by himself. And that's the truth about all of us. Whether good or bad, whether successful or failure, we didn't get there by ourselves. The life we're living right now we didn't get there by ourselves. Other people had something to do with it. There were, there were others in our life. And, and if we're going to be successful, if we're going to be spiritually successful, if we're going to be a career successful, if we're going to be financially successful, we need people around us and other people to help us do what we need to do. We need people who will help us be accountable. We need people who will, who will lift us up in prayer. We need people who are going to encourage us. We all need people in our life as much as maybe some of us don't want to admit it. There's going to be all kinds of times in life where we're going to face challenges that are bigger than us. And so, how about we just quit? How about we just quit saying and quit feeding the idea of individualism by repeating this idea that God will never give you more than you can handle. All right, three keys. First key was God's not the cause. Second key is is God's not limiting your problems. And the third key is God's not limiting your challenges to what you can handle. And, And key number four, key number four is this, that God does promise. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 is saying, that God does promise you opportunity for faithfulness. 
I think that sentence there captures the heart of what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us in 1 Corinthians 10 there. That from the context of the conversation, Paul is meaning to leave us with the idea that God will always provide us an opportunity to be faithful in the midst of temptation to be unfaithful. That if you are and I are being honest, we've probably been there. There have been times where we felt like our temptations were so strong that we had to give in. There have been times where maybe we looked at a problem we were having and the only solution to that problem was sin, maybe lying or stealing or cheating. And and the only solution to that problem was staying in sin and whatever the case may be. And we don't know how we could live life or, or accomplish what we need to accomplish without sinning. And sometimes we look at life and, and we feel like the only solution is to indulge in sin and we feel like no one else really knows what it's like to be tempted the way we are and and nobody else knows what the pressure of this temptation is like and so Paul says to the Corinthian church listen you're not alone the entire world is filled with people who've been tempted the same way you are that, that all temptation is common to man, that, that there's no temptation that's not common. I mean, people for thousands of years have been tempted with the same temptations, have gone through the same series of struggles that you're going through. Someone out there, in fact, multiple someones out there, so multiple it's so it, that it's common. There's not a sin or a temptation out there that's not common. And and not only that, but God says to us that when you're tempted, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, he never promises to limit trials, hardships, pain, suffering, struggles, persecutions. He's not promising any of that. What he's promising is that he will limit the pressure of your temptation to be unfaithful. And that every time you're feeling that pressure and every time you're making decisions or choices under that pressure, he says, I will always give you a pathway out. I will always provide you a way, an opportunity, the ability to resist that temptation. He promises to give us a path, a way out of the temptation. He promises to give us an umbrella to stand up under the rain of the temptation. He promises to put a roof over us uh, that we can weather the storm of temptation. That's the idea Paul is saying here. He's promising to give us something to hide behind, that, that spiritually God is going to do something so that when you're tempted to be unfaithful and you think the only answer is to either be unfaithful or continue to be unfaithful, he will give you the opportunity to be faithful and that even if you don't see where it is or when it is, once you choose to do it, you're going to see that that he's offered you the opportunity to stay faithful. Even when you don't think it's there. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is teaching the people in Ephesus about spiritual tools we have at our 
at our at our fingertips when we say yes to Jesus and and he describes those tools as piece as if they were pieces of armor that a a warrior would wear and among those tools he says this in Ephesians chapter 6 he says in addition to all of these he says hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil Now, what's a shield do? It offers you a place to stand protected. And what Jesus teaches us is, and what the Apostle Paul is teaching us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is that God will provide you a way and he will protect you from the fiery arrows of the devil if you hold up that shield of faith. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, we see that uh, King David had an opportunity to deal with temptation. I mean, most of the time, King David was like this shining star uh, of, uh, of integrity. He wouldn't lift a hand to Saul, who was trying to kill him, who he knew eventually he was going to take over. He'd already been anointed, God's chosen one, to take over as king. But King Saul was trying to kill him, and he was on the run. He wouldn't lift a finger to him. But then David had this moment where uh, he got angry, and he was going to commit murder, and, and, uh, and he was tempted. Now, when he was tempted, he had this woman named Abigail come to him and talk some sense into him, and and she challenged him. And, and King David said this. Uh, it says, David replied, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out the vengeance with my own hand. And sometimes God will send people to us to help us find a way to be faithful. Sometimes God's going to create a situation where if we're faithful, even though we didn't see how it was going to work out that that it works out sometimes god provides all kinds of different ways for us to deal with temptation now there's another side to that 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 he knew temptation was going to come he knew that all of us are going to struggle with temptation and i'll be honest i struggle with temptation and and i'm sure that you struggle with temptation you shouldn't feel bad for struggling with temptation i mean that's part of this struggle Uh, it's not being tempted that that hurts us it's giving in to the temptation it's what we do with that temptation you know even jesus was tempted in fact in the book of hebrews it says that jesus faced all the same testings we do he faced all the the same temptations the same the same things that that we all face and so not only is is temptation common to to all men but it was also something jesus experienced but it's not the temptation that uh that hurts us or that we should be ashamed of it's the sin that comes after the temptation when we give in when it says that jesus was tempted it says the difference between him and us was that he did not sin and what god is telling us here in first corinthians 10 is that he will provide a way for us out if we would trust in him He would provide a way for us to stand up under the temptation. Sometimes that way is to simply resist and to say no. It says in James chapter 4, Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil 
and he will flee from you. Sometimes we might say, hey, you don't know how much I'm being tempted. Well, maybe you're being tempted because you're allowing the temptation to continue because you're, you're imagining what it would be like to follow through with that temptation. You're, 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 you're letting your desires stay with the temptation. You're allowing yourself to play with the idea of the temptation. But maybe all you have to do is in your heart of hearts say, no, not doing that. Not going there, not making that choice. Sometimes all it takes is for us to say no and humble ourselves before God and say, God, will you make Satan go away? And if we resist, he flees. And the truth is, God's not sending us our temptations or our trials. Truth is, God's not out there cosmically limiting our hardships, our challenges. The truth is, God wants us to turn to him for forgiveness of our sins and for help in the meantime as we look forward to and we hope of a day when he will restore all things. In fact, it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, in his kindness, God calls us to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. He wants us with him. He wants us to experience eternal glory, and we will. So after you have suffered a little while in this life, we're going to suffer a little bit. We're going to struggle a little bit. We're going to have hardships and pains and, and, and problems and temptations but afterwards he will restore and support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation and so we look forward to that day together and we hold on to the gospel message the gospel message that conveys to us not that god won't give us more than we can handle no the gospel message that conveys to us that Jesus Christ died on a cross to save us from a problem we could not fix, to pay a price we could not afford, and to wipe away, to wipe away guilt and sin and trouble, to give us eternal life we could not earn, to give us hope where we had none. And until that day we stand before him, he says to us, I know you're going to struggle. I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to be tempted to go back into a life of sin. But I want to be there for you as you do, and I'll be watching over you in your life, and I want to bring you home. I'm going to do what I can to get you here with me, and so work with me. Because when you're tempted, oh, make sure you're not tempted beyond what you can bear. I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to put it there, but I am going to limit what comes your way in terms of temptation. And whenever you're tempted, I will always provide you a way out. And so, especially talking to those of you who are in Christ today, especially talking to you, I just want to say to you, the best thing you can do with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, is to start looking. God Where's the way out? God, 
help me stand up under this temptation. God, help me resist. God, show me the way to be faithful when I'm tempted to be unfaithful. Let's quit. Let's quit spouting off this armchair theology that isn't true anyways. And let's just take a hold of the truth of Jesus Christ who forgives us, who gives us grace, and who says, turn to me because you can't handle it alone. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, my heart goes out in compassion, in hurt, in empathy to those who are struggling with real life struggles. And God, I do pray that you would bring comfort and strength and hope and help and your grace into their life. God, we say together, would you take these problems and pains away? But in the midst of saying that, we say like the Apostle Paul, no matter what, your grace is sufficient for me. And God, we pray that you will help us as we deal in this life with the temptation to be unfaithful to you, the temptation to sin, to be unfaithful in in all sorts of ways. We pray that you will help us to find that path and to see the place that you give us where we can stand up under temptation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together and everybody said, Amen. So we've been talking about this idea of of God won't give me more than I can handle. And we've seen that, man, this idea, it's not in the Bible. In fact, it's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel tells us that Jesus comes to help us with things that we are powerless to handle, with things that we cannot handle on our own. And we're so thankful for the gospel. And we're going to enter into a time as we worship together where we remember what Jesus has done for us. It's a time we call the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is a time where we focus our thoughts on what Jesus does for us and who Jesus is to us. And what Jesus does for us is he pays a price that is too costly for us to pay. And he gives his life to give us something we couldn't afford, that we couldn't uh, do on our own. He gives us forgiveness and grace, eternal life and hope, and he does it by way of the cross. And so we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I want to invite you to join me in doing that. And to do that, we're going to uh, take a piece of bread. If you're at home, grab a cracker, grab some bread, and and we're going to take it. And Jesus, when he began the Lord's Supper, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. God, we just thank you for the salvation you give. And he ate it. And he told his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And so then we're going to take some juice. If you're at home, grab some grape juice. Grab some juice and you can join us. And, uh, and he, took, 
he, Jesus took the fruit of that vine, the, the, the wine that he took. It was, it, it was something he passed around and, and he said, this represents the blood of the new covenant that I'm making with you. By the way, a covenant that would have been impossible if Jesus didn't shed his blood for us. He did something for us that we could not do in order to give us something we could not get. There are a lot of things in this world that we can't handle. But this one thing, Jesus says, don't worry, I'll handle it. And he shed his blood to give us a new kind of relationship with God, one that wasn't available otherwise and isn't available other than through the blood of Jesus. And so let's celebrate and let's say thank you to Jesus and, and give thanks to God for that blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you and we're just so thankful for Jesus Christ. We're thankful that he gave his life for us, that he paid the price for our sin that he was willing to that he was willing to pay that cost that he was willing to give his life and to shed his blood so that we might be given the opportunity to have a right relationship with you god thank you thank you for your forgiveness and your grace thank you for jesus and it's in jesus name we pray and said together amen I want to enter into a time now where we're going to continue to worship as we think about giving, as we think about giving back to the Lord, as we think about giving back to God. Some of what he's given to us, you know, we could never outgive God and we could never give to God enough to make up for all that he gives to us. And that's not what this time is about. That's not what giving is to giving giving and tithing and giving to your church family. That's not what it's about. What it's about is us just saying, God, we worship you and we worship you with everything. We're so thankful for all that you've given to us. And here we want to give some back to you out of what you've given to us just to say thank you and we love you and we appreciate you. And if you want to join us in doing that, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, you know, uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who've continued to give to Vernonia Church and who are doing that and have been doing that. If you'd like like to join us, you can go online at any time at www.vernonia.church and you can hit the give tab there and, and you can set up giving and, and you could do it once. You could set it up for a continual thing. You could do it however you want. You can give as much as you want. And so I want to encourage you to join us in this time of worship where we worship through giving. Uh, you could also hit the link below. I think there's a link below that will take you to our give page. Another way that you could do it is you could text to give. Uh, the number is 503-376-6646 and you could just text the word give to 503-376-6646 and it will bring up the give tab on your phone, our Tithely account, and you could set up giving that way. If you'd like to, I want to once again say thank you to those of you who are and for joining us in this form of worship as we worship through giving. I just want to ask that you would pray with me as we ask God to bless as we give today. Father in heaven, we thank you 
uh, for all that you've given us and for all the ways that you take care of us and for all the ways that you give us hope and, and you give us something to look forward to, even in the midst of trials and struggles and hardship and hurts and pain. You give us still your grace. And in the midst of those things, we hold on to that grace. And God, I pray that you will take what we do now and receive it as a worship, as our hearts going out to you in love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. I want to just finish up today by inviting you to join me in declaring that it's been a great day. And uh, in the count of three, I'm going to count to three and just wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Now, if it's going to, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a crowd and, at a restaurant or something and you're listening on your uh, on your earpiece, don't do that. But uh, but if you're in a place that you can, love to have you join us. In the count of three, we're going to declare it's been a great day and we're going to do it loudly. So one, two, three, it's been a great day. Hey, I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to joining you next Sunday uh, in worship together.